This episode is sponsored by Efficient Business Solutions, your one-stop shop for technology. Well, what do you know? We had uh, a really good uh, round of games last week. We have a good uh, amount of games this week, and we have a really good guest. Tom's uh, joining me today. We'll uh, do a roundup of what happened last week, and um, we'll look forward to uh, what's going on this week. Uh, the cool news is uh, the the way this podcast is going to go today is we're going to take a trip around the league. We're going to talk mostly about United and Spurs, but we're also going to take a look at what's happening with Burnley, uh, Bournemouth, uh, talk about the relegation battle. So stick around. This is a good episode. Let's do this. Talk about the uh, talk about the games that happened over the week and the weekend and, and everything. It's 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 not like we're getting a, a systematic uh, schedule here. It's more like is there a game today? Is there a game tomorrow? Who knows? <laughs> How you exactly? How you been, man? How was your weekend? How was the last few days? I haven't spoken to you in a while. It's good. It's it's good. Although you've um you've probably done me a favor this evening because um you've got me out of watching uh, Crystal Palace Burnley. So. No, no offense to any Burnley or the Crystal Palace fans, uh, but no, seriously, it's um, it's great to have football back. Obviously, disappointment. We spoke about it before that um, it's, it lacks the crowd and that sort of natural atmosphere that we seem to be missing. But great to have football back, and it does seem strange that FA Cup fixtures are going on at the same time as Premier League fixtures are going on. I must admit that was a, a little strange, but we are where we are, and um, hopefully, we can have a positive. Uh, and, and carry on this enjoyment for the rest of this this well, season. Well, just anyway. you know, uh, spoiler alert. In case you didn't want to know, they're in the fifty third minute now, and Crystal Palace and Burnley haven't scored. There you go. <laughs> You're not missing much, apparently. <laughs> so, so let's talk, we'll start I'll with, with yeah, about. we'll start with the United games. Go on. I was going to ask you. A, I was just going to ask you. I know you're going to ask me some of this, but I was just going to ask you about. Short I was games. just going to tell God, God, stop stealing my questions. <laughs> Did you say yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little Sean Dyche, and let's talk about the fact that if you look at the body of work that he did with Burnley, there's nobody on earth that's going to ever dis- dispute that he took a team that was in the rut, he made something out of them, and he's here now. And I've, I've seen your your, your Twitter uh, uh, threads on Sean Dyche, Um there, there was there was also like in the middle of the thread one of somebody said where does he end up and <laughs> another person replied and said as a PE teacher. So, <laughs> what Sean Dyche, man? What, what's 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 your thoughts? And I'll give you mine when you when you're done. Got a lot of friends actually who are Burnley fans, so I'll be careful what I'm saying here. Um, I think it reminds me of the Charlton Athletic situation. Um, many years ago, I think it was in the 90s, wasn't it? Late 90s, early 2000s, whenever it was anyway, when uh, Kirbishley did a fantastic job with Charlton and then eventually he left. I think he went, initially he went travelling, didn't he? I think with his wife, I think New Zealand springs to mind. But anyway, he left the club and then 
Charlton, it was never the same since, and it, and it probably wasn't the same for Brandon Kirbyshley actually as well, because he had a, a couple of jobs and seems to have drifted out of the game. Now I'm not sure that Dyche will drift out of the game, um, but I think the warning signs are there for, for Burnley. Look, I mean they're in a position where they they've got a manager that understands the club, knows it inside out, has had ridiculous success. Uh, I think he's taken them on the verge of Europe, um, and. If I'm a board member at Burnley, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, if Sean Dyche leaves, who can come in and match what he's done? Also, you look at teams like Wolves, who have come up in recent years, and Burnley have been there, there longer, of course, but you look at teams like Wolves, who have now got these huge transfer budgets. So if a new man did come in, would the new guy be able to compete at the level that, that Sean, Sean Dyche is, is, is doing it? So... There's that to consider for Burnley. For Sean Dyche, can he ever excel and, and do any better anywhere, even with a bigger budget than he has at Burnley? He's not going to get a top four, five or six place team. There's talk of Crystal Palace, who, of course, they're playing this evening. But actually, I'm not sure that'd be the right move for him either because, again, he hasn't got that sort of affinity with the club he doesn't know as you know how it runs as well and and again somebody like Roy Hodgson I'm, I'm writing Roy Hodgson off Roy Hodgson has, has done a, f- a fabulous job there at Palace as well so risks for both sides I think Dyche and Burnley but if I'm being honest I think it's a bigger risk for Burnley if Sean Dyche leaves because I think he's um he's worked wonders there and I, and I struggle to to think of somebody who can come in and, and do a, a job to the standard that he's done. So, I mean, you, you mentioned that you have a lot of Burnley friends and, and the, the the question that springs up to mind usually when I see a pseudo mid-table club, like, you know, mid-table bottom side, uh, like, you know, bottom half club. At what point, first of all, like, what do we think as, as fans and even as Burnley fans, the ambition of the club is? And the second piece is, when does that switch turn on in a club that that kind of switches their ambition from we need to avoid relegation to you know a mid-table finish is is what we're looking for to that's not enough i want to start pushing and seeing if i can get european places because that's Mm -hmm. usually right the natural progression of a team that's coming from the lower leagues you're, you know, you're not a Chelsea, Tottenham, United, Arsenal kind of thing where, you know, if you don't finish in the top four, it's a disappointing year. You know, a few years ago, Burnley was in the championship. A couple of years before that, they were in League One. A couple of years before that, they were in League Two. So, yeah, yeah. ambitions, when do they turn on? I mean, look, I've just looked at them. Burnley secured a return to European football for the first time in 51 years. And this was in 2018. So, for Burnley to get into to Europe and play European football when they're up against teams with 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 times <laughs> the amount of money they've got to spend is, is, is quite something. So, you could argue that two years ago, Sean Dyche reached the top of the mountain for Burnley. Burnley fans might not like that, but you know, in terms of getting Burnley into... Uh, European and playing playing European football that is is quite significant. I mean, the next step for Dice though, the club has to match his own ambition because he must feel that he he'd worked a, a minor miracle doing that. So, in many ways, he's given it a couple of years, hasn't he? And, and said, right, come on, then I, I've managed to 
to perform this. I've managed to perform this miracle. I've given you something you haven't had for 51 years previous to this. I now need to be supported financially in the transfer market and get a better standard of player in. And perhaps he's looking at it and seeing that, you know what, I'm not actually getting the support that I, I feel I deserve having you know, completed this, this great work. And now I need to go and find a club that will give me that extra 10, 20, 30 million in the transfer market. Because ultimately, Sean Dyche, we'll see how Sean Dyche, how good Sean Dyche has been when he leaves the club. And and at the moment, he's there and, do, and, and doing a, a, a fantastic job for Burnley. But when he goes, we'll see how good he is because the next guy will have to work under the same conditions, same restraints. And it's it's not an easy task at all. If you look at the teams that are around are around the league that that maybe have 10, 15 million pounds to spend, how many of them are actually going to get rid of their managers? Well, it's not a case of of getting rid of your manager. You, you look at a team like Leeds United, for example, if they come up with their backing and support and size of the club, they could quite easily finish ahead of Burnley next season if they spend more money. The style and brand of football is, is completely, um, it's probably better suited to a higher division, to be honest. But you look at Burnley and, and you just you just think that Daishi, he plays a particular way and, and, and it's successful and it works for him. It's a, it's a really tough place to go and play up at Turf Moor. Um, and he's mastered that. And, and maybe for his own sort of progression, he's looking at it and thinking, do you know what, I need, I need another challenge. And if that is the next level of transfers and next level of signings, then so be it. But I just think that these teams that are coming up, even West Brom, they're a Premier League team. I'm not saying that, that Burnley are going to be pulled straight into a transfer, sorry, a relegation battle. But there's some big clubs that were not who are on the verge of coming up into the Premier League that are potentially could be better equipped than Burnley if Sean Dyche isn't there. So they've got a real, real challenge, I think. And I would guess, and it is only a guess, I would imagine that if Dyche doesn't get what he wants at the end of this season, then he, um, he'll he quickly he'll quickly be out of the door and, and another Premier League team will, will snap him up. So, so, as an example, Leeds, you brought Leeds, and I'm only going to focus on Leeds because you brought them up and they're, at this point, they're, they're, they're in the Premier League if, if it's not guaranteed already. Yeah. Yeah. Is Sean Dyche a step up for them if he's available? Oh, that is an unbelievable, that is an unbelievable question. It, while, while Bielsa's there, nothing is a step up. Dyche's not a step up on, on Bielsa because Bielsa's pedigree, the you know, years served, the clubs he's managed, the players he's looked after. In terms of if Bielsa left, took me to the Premier League and left within 12 months, that might be a job that Dyche looks at and thinks, actually, Leeds are better equipped and, and are prepared to put a bit more money behind transfers and, and support me in a way that Burnley haven't. It could be, but certainly Dyche doesn't come in to replace Bielsa unless Bielsa leaves. If Bielsa leaves, then that could quite well be a job that Dyche looks at and thinks, actually, yeah, you know, they're, they're better suited for me, it's certainly in terms of transfers. But it's such a funny, funny, funny um, time to be in football because of obvious reasons. But it's so interesting to see how these clubs are going to react because it's going to be a very, very strange transfer window as well. And I think what we'll see is a lot of managers will be looking at it and thinking, you know, what can I do? What can I do differently? Can I get a club that's better suited to me? Am I, am I all right sticking around here? And I think you'll see that, you know, Bournemouth are going to have a decision if they go down with Eddie Howe. 
obviously once was at Burnley and things like that. Do Aston Villa stick if they go down, which I probably think they do now, do they stick with the same team that got them up in the first t- first place? The same with Norwich. So there's going to be a lot of movement managerial-wise as well. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But, but for Dyche, um, I mentioned Burnley, but I, I think you know an area of caution for Dyche as well, because just because you're moving to a club that's perceived to be bigger or with more money, then there's a different kind of pressure on you. Is Leeds a bigger club? Than Burnley? Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. From a history perspective, I understand. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say so. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm going to offend anyone there. I think Leeds United, yeah, fan base, um, trophies won. When you look at the support they're getting in, in the Championship, it's, or, or the support they did get in the Championship before the the coronavirus and, and everything that's arrived with that, it, it was it was unbelievable, really. And I think from a supporter's point of view, they'll be a welcome addition to the Premier League next year because you need the big teams in there. You need the biggest clubs, the biggest clubs, uh, create the biggest atmospheres when the crowd will allow back in, and, and you know you get the big games. The rival with Manchester United alone, these United is 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 frightening. Really, it's, it's up there. It's not quite Liverpool level, but it's it's very very it's uh, <laughs> it's bitter. Let's put it that way. Can you imagine? I mean, if you, if you look at Leeds as a club and the history of Leeds, the 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 players that came out of that club, one way or another, whether through transfers or whatever, I mean, it, the history is just really heavy on this. You know, Johnny Giles. Rio Ferdinand, David Seaman, Gary yep. Speed, Eric Cantona. Yeah, you want to talk yep. about big clubs. That was, uh, that was a great they, one, man. Well, you look at the... Um, you look at the, the when they were in the Champions League, they got to the semi-finals, didn't they? And I think they lost to Valencia in the end in, in, during that run. But some of the players that were there, Woodgate, Bowyer, Alan Smith, Robbie Keane, uh, I don't know if sure Viduka was there at that point, but around that era, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, they've had some, some some fantastic players. And I think just the size of the city, the club, and I just think what they bring to the Premier League, there's teams in the Premier League that are, that are far smaller in terms of size and stature than, than Leeds United. And they've been out for a long time now, so it's probably about time they did come back. But there's other clubs in that championship as well, knocking on the door. Leeds, you know, they beat Fulham. Fulham might have to sell for a place in the playoffs now. But there's teams like West Brom who seem to be yo-yo in between the league. There's some there's some huge, huge clubs, you know, Nottingham Forest won the, the you know, the, the European Cup back to back in back to back years. <laughs> you want to talk about connection uh, with uh, with Brian Clough there, huh? Exactly, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. So there's some big, 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 big clubs in there, and um, I think that if Leeds do come back up, and I think they probably will, it'll it'll it could potentially rubber rubber stamp the worst season in my football memory and with Liverpool winning the league, Man City winning the Champions League and Leeds getting promoted. I mean that'll be full that'll be full deactivation of all kinds of actions on my phone to tell you, you <laughs> You'd move to Florida at that point. Well West Brom looks like they're gonna go up. Uh, they they're they're I they're about five points clear of third at this point. Yeah, yeah. So I think you've got you've got West Brom. I mean West Brom I think generally are a well run club. I know they go down but when they do go down and have gone down a couple of times over the last few years. Generally, there's no panic. They they rebuild. They make the right run of managerial decisions. Slam oh, yeah. just come in there, hasn't he? Um, and then they, they they do tend to cut to come up. So yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I don't really worry about West Brom when they go down. I don't think I mentioned Charlton before, and we will see what happens with Bournemouth and and, and teams like that if they go down and Norwich and Villa. But um, with West Brom, you always get the feeling that within the next sort of twelve to 24 months that they were, they, they, you know, they, they're knocking on the door to come back into the Premier League and, and yeah. you know, we've seen it again. Just, now, uh, just to give you an update, Burnley are up one. 
Are they really? Speaking of up one and down and stuff, we, we, we had really good games from the last time you and I talked. Um, Spurs yep. beat West Ham. It was a party in my house because that means we got three points. Something never happened. <laughs> uh, you guys smashed Sheffield United, which uh, played both well for you and us. And then I think yeah. the match that everybody was really looking forward to was the Chelsea City match for a number of reasons. A, I think from for the neutrals, it was a really good game. Um, I think Fernandinho was yeah. the player of the game for Liverpool uh, for getting their red card. Um, Manchester City seemed to not be, na- not be able to step up when they needed to. And, um, and I don't know if they just understood that it was over and they just gave it a good, a good run and that was that. Um, but I, I thought it was a good game. And it's kind of ironic that Chelsea is, again, responsible for uh, another team to win the Premier League uh, like they did with, uh, with Leicester. But, uh, but that was a really good game. So why don't we just go through basically some of the important games for us and, and no offense to anybody else. So yeah, talk to me about your feelings about Sheffield and, and Man United, that, that lovely win. I think, I think it was a lovely win. And I'm, I'm going to pick your brain on a couple of players uh, that you have that we spoke about over the last few days. You really have a good, good core yeah. there that you need to build around. How did you see, how did you see the Sheffield game play out? We ha- I'm going to mention something else here as well because it plays into Sheffield. You, know, you, you said it there. You, you quite rightly mentioned it. we have a good core, and we saw that against Sheffield United. Where we struggle is uh, away from the core, so not the eleven starting eleven. If we put our best starting eleven out, as we played Man City, we've beaten them. We think we've drawn with Liverpool. We've given you guys a couple of good games. If we put our best eleven out, not absolutely no problem at all. We can generally give most teams a good game. The trouble is when you then play Norwich after Sheffield United, and I'll come back to Sheffield United in a minute, and you've got to start utilising the squad. So Diego Dalot comes in, uh, people like that. Lingard, they're not quite to the level required yet. And that is where Liverpool City, I think Spurs have probably got a slighter, slightly stronger squad. Um, Chelsea are building a squad for next season. They've already made a couple of good signings. So, yes, Sheffield United, that was a... Really, really impressive performance. Plenty of the ball. Chances were created. And Anthony Martial hat-trick, which is always welcome because he gets accused of not scoring sort of typical poacher number nine goals. And although his third goal was an, an immaculate little dink over the goalkeeper, his first two were sort of old-fashioned number nine finishes. So that's very welcome from him. And it was great to see Pogba and, and Bruno sort of linking up and playing well. And it took a bit, took a bit of the pressure off. And to be honest, I think it takes a bit of pressure off Bruno. And I think it takes a bit of pressure off Pogba because... Pogba is no longer the main creative man and neither is Fernandes. They, they can share that job and we saw that, I think, against you, Tottenham Hotspur in the last 20 minutes and then against Sheffield United we saw it. But then the follow-up game was Norwich in the FA Cup, which I'm sure we'll come on to and we didn't have that quite rightly. We couldn't put the same 11 out because of the you touched upon it at the top of the top of the show. You've got so many games thick and fast coming that you need to you know utilise your squad a bit better and that's what we did against Norwich and Although we won against Norwich, it wasn't the same standard as we saw against Sheffield United. So, fantastic performance, great shape, chances created, attacking football, one-touch play in and around the penalty area, which is something that United fans will remember from the Ferguson days. And let's not get ahead of ourselves. We've still a huge mountain to climb, but it was, it was, it was great. But the worry is, and the, the, the wake-up call is that a few days later, when you don't play that starting level, you've got a, a squad issue where 
it's quite simply not as good as Liverpool, Manchester City, and, and, and perhaps even Chelsea and Spurs. Although Spurs are, you could argue, have, have yeah, this season we've been their issue for a while. Um, I, I want to bring it back to one point you mentioned because as I was watching that United Sheffield game, there were a lot of things that were going through my head. One of them being that yes, Bruno Fernandez is probably the best signing you guys have have had in, I would say, the last six seven years. I, I think that he's young enough and good enough that that you can build a squad around there. But I also recognize that the dynamic uh-huh. that you just mentioned between him and Pogba is very solid, Tom. And 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 I don't see how you can't try to turn Pogba's head and say, hey. About you leaving, can we talk about this now that this is working out? Or do you think that him leaving is a foregone conclusion at this point? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, if you asked me in January, I'd have said absolutely nailed on. I mean, the guy, you know, to leave, the guy had not been seen. I think he played six or seven games, if that, all season. Um, uh, I'm told by people at United that they're not expecting many deals over £100 million across mm-hmm. Europe this summer maybe one or two. Now, if Pogba's going to leave Manchester United, it's going to be for over £100 million, isn't it? Because just because of who he is and, and what he brings, fair enough, he's not played and probably played his best over the course of the season, but Bram Pogba and, and the shirts he'd sell, he, you know, he's, he's, he's over £100 million. Mino Raiola would not let, let so him I'd, go anywhere under under £100 million. Exactly. So, I do wonder now if clubs are looking at Pogba and thinking, obviously, they fancy him because he's if he's on form and playing well, he's... He's got world-class ability. But I just wonder if they're looking at it with the, with the pandemic and everything that's gone on across the world and, it, and it's slightly altered people's view of how they approach this window. And I just wonder if we, could, we might get an, another year out of him and if we can get another year out of him and he plays well, then, you know, he can take his pick of clubs. He can go to Real Madrid, he can go to PSG, he can go back to Juventus, he can go where he wants really, can't he? If he has, you know, he's playing well. You, you play well, you get your move. You know, you look at Hazard, you look at Christian Eriksen, although Christian Eriksen did dip a little bit generally over the course of his time he was good but it, I do wonder now whether United are looking at it and Solskjaer and thinking well instead of us spending money let's keep what we've got for another 12 months and then let's reassess the window in 12 months time so January time I thought it was absolute guarantee to leave um, and, and if and if it was you do wonder how how much of a deal they were discussing with agents and other clubs and how far down the road that went and if they'd gone back to a, to a club that perhaps wanted him and was showing significant interest in him in January and said, look, we can't get in who we want to replace him now because of, of what's happened. We're going to, we're going to pull this deal until, you know, 12 months time. I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking out loud there, but I think there's more chance of him staying now, let's put it that way than, than there was before, because you're going to have probably a reduced transfer window as well. Um, with not a lot of players moving on, not as many players moving. So it'd be great if he stayed, but Pogba's only worth having Pogba if he's if he's concentrated and, he, and he's concentrated at that world-class level, which we've seen. He saw the bit of skill against Tottenham. If he's performing like that every week, then you kind of feel you'd be mad to let him go, but then you only really genuinely, over his time at United, see that once every three, four, mm-hmm. five, six games and he's consistent enough. So would I be surprised to see him go? No. But also now, I, I guess there's more chance than there was sort of five, six months ago of him staying because of the situation the world is. Would in. you have been upset if you if if you would have lost out to Norwich and not made the semi-final of the FA Cup? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I think before the break in play, we were playing really well. I thought in the first half, Spurs could have been one or two nil up, but we seemed to claw our way back into that and, and play quite well. Did we then? 
did well against Sheffield United. So we haven't lost for a, for a while. Is it 10, 11 games maybe? We've not been conceding a great number of goals. So to lose against Norwich, I think at the quarterfinal stage of the FA Cup would have been would have been disappointing because it, you know, Solskjaer has a habit of playing well and beating big teams. He just he just does so. You know, I think United pulled Chelsea in the FA Cup semi-final draw. Well, I think United have beaten Chelsea twice this season already, or, or possibly three times. So he won't look at that with any fear, certainly, and he'll probably think that he's got a good chance of going all the way in that tournament because he's he's beaten Man City as well a couple of times this is it this year in various competitions. So. It'll be interesting. I think that he, a trophy for what he's building would be a bonus. I think Champions League is the priority, but if he can win either the Europa League, which again will be tricky, or the FA Cup and get United into the Champions League, then he's probably performed far better than any of us expected. Certainly, if you go back to last December, because he didn't look like he was going to debate about whether he'd, he'd get through the season, never mind to this stage. It's it's a weird season, right? Because because, because that I, I think... I think the break kind of just gave us time to reassess a lot of things, obviously, personally, but from a football perspective, I think that if liver, if the season did not pause, there would have been a little bit more celebration yeah. for Liverpool winning the league. I think that Corona kind of stole the celebration away from them, but I don't think there was ever any doubt that Liverpool was going to win the league in or out of the break. <laughs> Does do people no, really care about football yeah, anymore? Fair. With the fact that there's no fans, like I don't know, like I'm watching. I, this is I'm, I'm giving you my personal opinion on this. Obviously, uh, I'm watching the games, and and there are a lot of games that I watch because I have some vested interest in, like the United games. I watch because I genuinely love talking United with you. Spurs games, I obviously watch. I watched the Chelsea Manchester City game because it was a it was a good one for the neutrals. But it's it's tough for me to get up for games anymore. I don't know if it's just the lack of atmosphere, the lack of fans, the lack of pregame that used to happen. It's, it's such a, the Premier League is such a re, a weird world right now, Tom. But it's, it's, it is, and I agree with you. And I, have, I must admit, I'm not going to mention the teams, but I've watched a couple of games and found myself dropping off a couple of times, actually, because it's, I, 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 I do get to what you're saying. But then you look across Europe and other parts of the world, it, you know, it's it's the same everywhere, and it's just something we're going to have to try and get used to. Maybe until who knows the beginning of twenty twenty one. But I think that I do find it, yeah, some of the sometimes challenging. You can the players as well. I I always think about the players if they've got you know that 10, 20, 30, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100,000 voices screaming at them when they're playing. I just wonder if they're not quite fully at it sort of subconsciously because they haven't got the fans breathing down the neck it does or will feel much like a very high level training game I, I imagine because they're in this situation where they're in this stadium, they've got the kit on, they're playing against teams in the Premier League but there's no crowd there and you can almost, you can hear and feel what the manager's saying and you know, you can't pretend you haven't heard what he said anymore <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do feel that, I do feel that there's um, a lot of teams and a lot of players, almost you know, a handful of teams that players of every team have, have looked a bit mentally jaded or mentally not quite up to speed. Yeah, it's almost like they're getting used to it as well. Who you know, you can't blame them for doing that. So I think it'll take a bit of time. Maybe still, you just have to write this season off in terms of crowds and, and supporters and just see how we get on. 
Um, and then we'll look back in a few years and think, flipping it, remember that game with no crowd and that great goal that was scored and they went off sliding on their knees and there was nobody <laughs> in the stadium to, to cheer with them. You know, you, it'll, it'll look weird, won't it? But um, I think we're just going to have to get on with it. And really, for me, it feels like, a, like almost like a World Cup, really. The games, like you said at the beginning, the games are coming thick and fast. They're coming every other day. It doesn't feel like there should be a game and then there's a game and then you've got three and then you've got a day off and then you've got a couple, you know, and then we've not even gone to the Champions League, Europa League yet. That's coming, isn't it, as well? So, it's good. It's exciting. You know, it's not as exciting because everybody wants crowds back there, but it gives us something to, to look forward to. Uh, is, t- is tomorrow is tomorrow's game against Brighton a critical one for you? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you're talking about top four now. You look at Wolves who have just I want to say have come out of nowhere. They haven't come out of nowhere. They've, I've always thought Wolves could challenge um, the teams above them. And I think they've got a fantastic manager, first and foremost, to say that. But yeah, of course, it is. Manchester United are, I think Manchester United are three points behind Wolves and four or five points behind Chelsea. So if Solskjaer wants to get into the, to the Champions League, it's a must, must, must win. But he's playing against a team who are a kind of teetering above the relegations and they're not quite in a position of sort of West Ham, Bournemouth and Watford, but they're probably looking and thinking one more win would, would, I think a one more win takes them to 36 points, which would probably put them there or thereabouts. I know everybody says 40 points, but if Brighton can get one win or a win and a draw, I think they'll probably be okay. But yeah, it's a huge game, both ends of the table, certainly from a, a biased Manchester United point of view, anything less than three points against Brighton and you can probably forget Champions League. Because Chelsea looked like they, you know, they beaten Manchester City, which I didn't actually think they beat Manchester City. I thought City would, would take the the title race to another game, so to speak. It wasn't a race, but take it another game further. But yeah, for Solskjaer, anything less than three points um, is a is a disaster really in terms of the Champions League. And this is this is where I think Manchester United do have an advantage actually as well, because you talk about crowd there. You go down to Brighton. If Brighton have got their home crowd singing and and cheering them on. I received to remember, I think it was last season, that, that Brighton beat United mm-hmm. down there. And the crowd played a massive part. Now, because that crowd isn't there, and you saw it against Norwich at the weekend, it just feels like the teams Manchester United played against in, and the teams they should be beating, they just feels like they've got that extra little chance to beat them as well. Mm-hmm. Because they're not being buoyed on by the home support. Yeah. It's it, it it's like I said. It's just a weird feeling, and I as as a spectator, and I, I... you know what it's like when you you know yeah you know what it's like when you Spurs go to a team that they should be turning over, and then the team they're playing scores an early goal, and then Spurs you know or batter them for for ninety minutes and not score, but you know the crowd are, are willing them on and getting on the refs back and getting on their own players back, intimidating the opposition. You know you, you don't have any. It's, of that. it's like it's like it's like you know how I lived my life growing up as a Spurs fan. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Yeah. Tottenham are doing all right. I I voiced my opinion about not wanting to even play in Europe next year for for a number of reasons. I think that next year is is the year that I want to see. I want to see actual improvements. And it doesn't even have to be in the squad. It could be in the football itself. Uh, Because Spurs of two, three years ago are completely different than Spurs of of this year. And it's – yeah. You got to remember, last year we were in the final of the Champions League. Yeah. But what what that masked 
Tom, was the fact that the team itself wasn't playing well for a long time. It wasn't playing well for a good six months or leading up to the Champions League. There, there, there was something I think systematically wrong with the team. I don't know if, if it's if it's top down, or I don't know if, if Pucha's message was just being drowned by the fact that the, the players didn't want to listen to the message anymore because they were hearing it for so much. But I, I, I look at the point that we took against uh, you guys with United. Um, I, I look at it as a point taken, considering the fact of how we ended that match. I look at the three points that we got from West Ham and how we played against West Ham as a major improvement. But I also have to take into account that West Ham are not as good as Manchester United. You know, West Ham have their own problems. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't see... If he doesn't... If you don't, if you don't get Europe this year, which is, is, a pop, which is a possibility, but if you don't get Europe this season, what then is success for him next season, Mourinho? He has to, in my opinion, has to win a trophy. Uh, I, I don't care if it's the FA or the Carlin Cup. And he has to finish in the top yeah. four again. Because that's yeah. the expectation. That's the expectation that you should have if your club is being managed by Jose Mourinho. He was brought in here to win trophies. He wasn't brought in here so he can get you back into Europe. You were in Europe. You were in the Champions League final. You had a, a very, very bad start of the year with Mopo. And you got rid of him because this was the guy that was supposed to come in and, and make everything better and win trophies for you for, because of his reputation. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a trophy next year. Yeah, it'll be interesting because I think you pointed out in a, in a previous podcast that Mourinho sort of three years probably have been reloaded, haven't they? Probably start from now. Mm-hmm. Hey. Uh, he's had this to bed himself in. But he, I think that he can't complain about Thursday weekend football or Wednesday weekend football if he's not in Europe next season, can he? No, he can't. He can't. And, and, and he has an opportunity right now to, to use this as a preseason and actually prepare the team. And he's playing against good teams. Obviously, you know, the win against, you know, uh, the, the win against West Ham, the, the, the point against United. He's going up uh, on Thursday against Sheffield United, by the way. And this is the type of game that I want to see how the players are going to react. Sheffield United is dropping points. Sheffield United is, I, I, I want to say this, and I hope nobody gets offended, going back to the position in the league that they should be in. But this is the type of game that, as you mentioned, Tottenham could concede early, chase the game for 90 minutes, and not be able to put the ball in the back of the net and lose it like that. Uh, yeah, I, I I I fear that the fans are going to be a little bit jaded and deluded as to what their expectations are this the, for the remainder of the season. I think that there's going to come a point, and I'm hoping it's like the last two games or three games of the season, and we're getting to them at this point, where Jose Mourinho is not going to have a chance or a shot for Europe, and then he starts preparing for next season. He starts using. The, the league matches as friendlies that he can get something out of that he could understand what his gaps are. And I do think that he knows what his gaps are right now in the season in, in, in this squad going into next season. And this is where he takes up the list up to uh, Daniel Levy and says, these are the gaps that I need to fill. Levy on the other hand is one of those play. I, I, I want to like the guy. I genuinely do because of what he did in terms of the brand uh, of the of the club and the stature of the club and 
and the and the the, the infrastructure and, and the base of the youth that we're pumping out. But he's getting a bad rap for for apparently not spending money. Do you have a player like yeah. Ndombele, Tom, that's sitting on the bench for whatever reason that costs you almost 70 million pounds? How do you not yeah. play a player like that? This is kind of like a Pogba situation, isn't it? Yeah, but but on, on that though, mate, two things. When Mourinho took the job, he knew what uh, Levy was all about. And Levy, when he appointed Mourinho, knew what Mourinho was all about. There are no grey areas with either of them. They knew what they were getting. So you knew Mourinho was going to pick a fight with somebody. You know, just so happened to be in Don Bello, which I'm disappointed with because I, I like the player. I think he, I was excited to see him come to the Premier League. But in terms of Mourinho going upstairs with his list to Daniel Levy, is Daniel Levy really going to start behaving differently now that Mourinho's there? No. He's never going to. He has no reason to. Because the cl- the club is making money. Yeah, it, it, I have the I have the biggest fear that Spurs are going to be another Arsenal just without the trophies. Mm. I it's well, a bad it's always, a bad Spurs, fear. Spurs have always been like that, haven't they? Uh, here he goes, man. I thought we were friends. No, no, that's a little too much, man. That was cool. Sorry. No, <laughs> honestly, I, I, I just think when Mourinho got the job and, you know, I'm waiting for this to happen. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, thought it wouldn't happen. I thought it wouldn't happen at United because I thought, oh, he behaved differently because he was United and he really wanted a job. He didn't. But when Mourinho and Daniel Levy, you know, lock horns with finances or player behaviour and how he's not using the players that Levy's already bought or going to him and saying, I want this player, that player, and the other player also can't deliver you what you should be getting, then uh, you know, there's, uh, there's only one thing that's going to happen. Yeah, It's just a case if he does it next season, the, next, the season after or the third season. Uh, just, give me, just give me one trophy before he leaves, man. Just one. Well, yeah, I, no, I, I saw a stat but, of all the trophies that have been won. He might but then, but then that's why next season is, is if you don't get Europe, then next season is the season he has to do it because when the pressure comes and he's got more games and he can't use the excuse of leaving players out and if Levy doesn't back him as well as what he thinks he should do this summer, then you're going to be looking at next season and thinking, yeah, we need to, this is it, we've got a chance here. Where do you guys think you finish? Um, I'm worried about Wolves, actually. I've watched them a bit since the... I think I've watched all their games since the return. They've picked up nine out of nine, haven't they? Yeah, I think United... I'm going to stick to my original prediction and say fifth, which might... Which might, depending on what happens with Man City, get Champions League football mindset. But I think top four's probably gone because of Chelsea's form. I didn't think Chelsea would beat City. Um, but I'm going to say United fifth, Wolves sixth, Chelsea fourth. I mean, maybe Leicester. Leicester haven't been, you know, could could, could Leicester drop out and, and allow Wolves or United? It's really tough, though, because if you look at their schedule, I think Leicester, for the most part, has an easy going. They play Crystal Palace next. They play ooh, Arsenal. That's going to be a decent game. Depends on which Arsenal shows mm-hmm. up. 
Uh, Bournemouth, they should be able to pick up the three points there. Sheffield United is a good game, but I, I think they'll pick up the points there. I, I, ooh, you guys played them on the twenty sixth. Yeah, oh yeah, we've got we've got Leicester. Yeah, that's a six pointer. If I didn't see one, that yeah, is geez. that's your last one. That's your last match of the season. Yeah. You could you could be deciding who goes in the Champions that'll be, League or not. That'll be the that'll be the decider. It could be because Leicester plays Tottenham the week before. Yeah, and you guys the week before end up playing against West Ham. Oh, that that end of the season might shape up pretty nicely for for the top four race. Yeah. Yeah. This is nice. I I. I so you're thinking fifth for United. You're thinking Wolves will finish sixth. Yeah. Who finishes? I'm hoping they run out of steam. Yeah. They picked up, I'm telling you, man, they picked up the nine points that they needed to in the last three matches. And I understand, I mean, you're talking about crappy teams like Villa. No offense to any Villa fan, but nobody is going to disagree <laughs> with me when they say that Villa's not really playing up to their standards. But the relegation battle, let's take a look at that for a second. The relegation battle is a very interesting one because the difference between 19th and 16th is a point. Yeah. yeah so anybody's game at this point. Yeah. I, listen, if you look at anywhere on the table, actually, the bottom, bottom positions in those Champions League, this is what I was saying to you before, it's going to be an exciting end to the season because there are some big, big positions up for grabs. And you know what? Even if Spurs got a run together, are you – Telling me you can't get Europa League? It's too far. Subject there, apologies, but you know you saying you can't can't make it. No, nah, it, it's 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 too far, Tom. There's there's you guys are in sixth, and there's a difference of four points between us and you. There's a difference between seven points of between Spurs and Wolves, and I understand Spurs have a game in hand on that. That means you guys have to collapse, Wolves has to collapse, and we have to go on a run. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's more likely that it's improbable. Yeah. I, I can't see it. Uh, yeah. So, so go on then. Who, who's going to go down? Ooh. Um, well, well, I'm not asking you an unfair question because I've, I've got it. No. It's a very fair question. I think I think Norwich is 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 already planning their their next season in in the championship at this point. Yeah. I think out of Watford, West Ham, Bournemouth and Villa. I'm going to go with Villa West Ham. So you think Bournemouth will survive? I think Bournemouth will just squeak it. Right. I I yeah. What about Watford, though, and everything that's gone on there over the last few days? I'm going to go Norwich, Villa, Bournemouth. I think the, the, the three that are in the bottom three now, and, and that's not a cop-out because Bournemouth and West Ham have got the same amount of points, and Watford are a, a point ahead of that. But I'm going to go Bournemouth. I think Villa and Villa have got 27 points, but they just look so frail. Um, Norwich, I think, have gone on 21 points, but I think that Norwich, Villa and Bournemouth will, will be the three. And you, you think West Ham are going, do you? Yeah, uh, Villa just have a really rough couple of games. I mean, they play Liverpool next, and they play United next, and they still have to play Villa. Uh, they still have to play Everton, and they play Arsenal. I'll tell you what, though. West Ham-Villa is the last game of the season. 
yeah, that could be uh, that's again, a final. That that that'd be the game that nobody wanted to would want to go and see anyway. That would it, <laughs> and then all of a sudden everybody's going to watch that to see who goes down. Yeah. Probably that 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 game would be uh, flipping egg. That could be, you know, Villa taking West Ham down with them. Bournemouth are oh my god, that is brutal. With the exception of Newcastle, they have to play you. They have to play us. They have to play Leicester. They have to play City. I'm not great with Bournemouth. I must admit, I've not been a huge fan of Eddie Howe. I'm. Yeah, I, I think it's time Bournemouth went. I'd like to see. I'd like to see Bournemouth join West Ham. Sorry, um, Villa. Villa and Norwich. Norwich. We talked about it in the last podcast. You're not a fan of Eddie Howe at all. Honestly, um, no, no. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was being linked with the England and Manchester United job, and at the time, I was I was mortified by it. But I think I heard somebody read his stat out on the radio station over here. I'll dig it out for you. The amount of games he's lost in the Premier League. Uh, in comparison to to the other managers, and I know he's it's Bournemouth. He's not, you know, he's not managing Manchester City, but I think he's incredibly overrated. And I think this is the season they finally go. Actually, nothing personal. I just, I just, I'm not keen on him, and I'm not keen on Bournemouth really. Um, I think they've done well, but I just think they they seem to hang on, but but, but just they're really poor, but they just always seem to survive. And I, and I don't know how they do it. You have these little runs where they just you don't like like they're going to score. Never mind pick points up. And I think we're seeing it now. I think it's just catching up on them. Yeah. Just, and I think this might be the season they go. I've I've never rated them. I thought that their their stay in the Premier League has, has has lived long enough because I think they came up in the same year Burnley came up. But but Burnley are just managed differently. Burnley as a club, I think, are a little bit more better structured in terms of how they played with their youth. It, Bournemouth seemed to me like a fluke that just kept on going. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, I don't see them surviving. <laughs> you've lost, you've lost all your Bournemouth listeners. But I do, yeah. I do agree. To, I do agree to a certain extent. I think that I just feel that I know they're well in the chat, you know, they got, still, they still could quite easily stay up. Then, you know, they're not dead and buried up by any means. They're well, well in it. And, you know, they, they're good at doing this. They're good at getting out of this. And Eddie Howe, you know, he does keep them up. Well, I can say what I want. The stats say that he keeps them in the league every season. But I just feel this is the year they're going to go. Yeah, I, I hate to see people. I hate to see teams go down. But somebody asked to. I mean, I really, I was really upset when Huddersfield went down last year. That was a, yeah. But I mean, they could have got rid of their manager earlier. Well, uh, Wagner was. They, they could have got rid of him before Christmas and, and got somebody in and given themselves a fighting chance. The second season, the, the amazing first season, apparently the second season though they didn't act quickly enough. I think uh, Wagner said that he wanted to go before Christmas and they kept him until what January or something February. Yeah. Uh, and it was too late by then. The damage had been done. I think that you got to act smart and you've got to act decisively. You've got to take emotion out of it. And I think that there were things going on off the field at, at Huddersfield with the chairman and things, you know, they've got a new owner now and it's sad it ended like that. But they're, you know, they're another team that, you know, have gone down and have found it tough. You know, they found it tough. They, it could be a long way back for them. I, I think they, they have struggled for part of the season in the championship. So, you know, that's an example to, to some teams that when they do go down, it's not as easy as, you know, unless you're West Brom, who just seems to keep, as I say, every other year, bobbing back, bobbing back up and then relegating, bobbing back up. It's hard, then, mate. It's, it's, it's a tough, tough league to play. It is a brutal league. Awesome episode. Thank you, Tom. We'll be back on Thursday. Definitely, definitely want to hear that one. Talk to you guys later. Enjoy the show. Enjoy your week. <laughs>